Hi, everybody. Welcome back to my podcast. This is David Leibovitz, and you can probably hear from the streetcar outside. I'm in San Francisco. It's a renovated E-train. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> and it just rang, so you might hear some background noise. But my name is David Leibovitz, and I have a newsletter. And you're welcome to visit it at davidleibovitz.substack.com. That's Leibovitz with a V. And I also have a website with a whole bunch of recipes and other stuff on it. And that's just my name, davidleibovitz.com. So today's podcast guest is a surprise, and she was a surprise for me because when I arrived in San Francisco, a friend said, let's meet at Canteen. And I said, okay, and I put it in my calendar. And then I walked into this bakery here on Market Street, and all of a sudden I was blown away by the most beautiful pastries ever. <laughs> and we were here for breakfast, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but I love Nordic breakfast. I don't like, I'm very basic at breakfast, and I love all the breads, the smoked fish, the juices, the marmalades. I was in Japan, and I love Japanese food, but after like three days of having like grilled fish for breakfast, I was like, you know what, I need some eggs and some toast. So anyhow, I'm here with owner Nicole Asatola, and we practiced your name a bit. <laughs> it's not an <laughs> <Before>. easy one. <laughs> but you said your mother wanted you to sound maybe a little more Italian? Well, I mean, I think just by putting an H in my first name, she thought she was being a little snazzy, you know, something okay. unique there. <laughs> yeah, and then it's not an easy last name at all. But you're a San Francisco resident right now. You yeah. lived in Denmark, and you opened this bakery. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, I did a little bit of research on you oh. before this. And you worked at some really great restaurants in the Bay Area. You mm -hmm. worked at Nopa? Yeah. Were you in sure the pastry did. department there? No, I wasn't. I So most of my culinary life, I've been working as a chef or a cook ever since I graduated from the Culinary Institute of America in New York. Okay. Um, then went to Boston and worked in upscale restaurants there. But I've always been on the savory side. So it wasn't until when I opened Canteen that I started working with bakery like intensively. I've always been a, mm -hmm. an avid home baker. But And where did you work in Boston? I worked... I love um, Boston. Yeah. For food. Okay, yeah. Not for the weather. No, <laughs> yeah. So I worked for a while, for a long while with Todd English at okay. Olives. And then I worked with Paul Cunningham at Providence in Brookline. I'm not sure if you know it. Then I opened up Number 9 Park with Barbara Lynch. Oh, okay. Yeah. I read her memoir. Oh, Shocking. Oh. Yeah. I've never read it. Oh, no. okay. Oh, well, you know the story probably, but. There are many stories, yeah. trust me. <laughs> well, she writes about them in her book. And one thing that's interesting is she had a lot of things happen to her that weren't, weren't great. And that's being kind, not her fault. But yes. when I read the book, I was like, wow. And a friend of mine was her publicist for the book tour. Oh. And, and this is something, you know, public, it's not a private thing. But when you write a memoir, then you go on tour and you have to kind of relive it. Oh, wow. Because people ask you questions about the book. Yeah. And they're like, so when you were in jail for 27, and you're like, I don't want to forget all that. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. And so that, you know, that happened to me when I wrote my book about renovating an apartment. I had to relive it. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> traumatic. <laughs> but it doesn't seem like you had a lot of problems opening this bakery. 
Well, no, I mean, and to be honest with you, the whole bakery idea came as an afterthought. What happened was, is that I had been living in Copenhagen for about 16 years. Okay, because the press, some some people say 10 years. Well, some 10 say 15. plus, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Okay, I, you, I think you, I said what, for more than down. a decade was part of the yeah. word it's, at some point. Yeah, over um, a decade. But I had lived there, yeah, over a decade for sure. And moved to San Francisco for what I thought was going to be a half a year. Mm -hmm. Um, just to, at that point I had had, my three children were born in Copenhagen and I thought it would be a great way for them to get a little bit of American culture. My father-in-law had passed away and we were kind of just going through a rough patch where we thought, let's switch things up a little bit. Let's get some new scenery. We were perfectly happy with our life in Copenhagen, but we just thought, let's go to sunny California, you know? Yeah. So why are you in Northern California? (laughs) (laughs) Right, Yeah. No, we had actually been on vacation here about five years prior to that. And we loved San Francisco. And the, that was before we were paying rent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was before you saw how as, much it cost. As tourists, you know, it was a beautiful place to be. You know, there's beautiful nature right outside of the city. Mm-hmm. You know, we thought it was a toss-up between New York and San Francisco. We thought, well, New York would be great because we'd be closer to Europe, you know, for right. traveling and so right. forth. But then we thought, but they would be gray and we wouldn't have the same weather. And, you know, yeah. so... You know, when you have lived in Copenhagen for 15 years, you really miss the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So, I, yeah. I was so. there, like, when I was a teenager, like 20-something. Mm. And I was there in December. I was on a year-long hitchhiking tour around Europe. Amazing. And my last stop was Copenhagen. <laughs> well, I, I didn't know it was going to be my last stop, but it was December. Oh, and like, sounds dark. The sun came up at, like, 11. It went down at, like, 2.30, yeah. as you know. Yeah. And I ran out of money, so I had to leave. And that's <laughs> not a good ended. place to run <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's not. So what made you move to, and also yeah, so we then, have a bunch of pastries we're going to taste in just a yeah. minute. Yeah. But what made you move to Denmark? So what? So uh, as I mentioned, I was working with Barbara Lynch. It happens for a lot of chefs that are in the field. You know, I just got to a point where I thought there needs to be some balance in my life. And Denmark was not my first choice. I was actually hoping that I could move to France, which is, uh-huh. Something that at that time, you know, it was to get a French apprenticeship, you know, it uh-huh. would be fantastic. And I had taken French language classes in school and everything. Uh-huh. So, okay. yes. Okay. But I had met a girl in my high school back in Ohio, where I grew up, mm-hmm. that was from Denmark. And we had kept in touch and I had visited her. Also, when I before I started culinary school, I went to visit her in Copenhagen. And I kind of fell in love with, it was in the summer, mm-hmm. kind of fell in love with that whole mentality. And then... During another visit, I met this guy that I kind of was curious about. You know, what's Mm -hmm. that about? And so it was natural for me to just say, well, I want to move to Europe. The only in I have is through this, you know, friend and her friend and this random guy that I barely know. But that was good enough for me. You know, I was at the point where I was working 80 some odd hours every Mm -hmm. week, you know, wake up, go into work, come home, fall in bed, wake up, you know, and Uh it was just like, I need something more. So my Danish friend had told me, well, in Denmark, when you start a job, you get either five or six weeks of vacation, paid vacation every year. And I thought, that's going to give me some balance. I like that. (laughs) So I moved over there and I staged actually at a few restaurants right when I got there. Lo and behold, they were very French, by the way. There was nothing Mm -hmm. called New Nordic or anything. And it was completely like, almost like going back in time to like the whole hierarchy in the kitchen and so forth. And Mm -hmm. There, where you work in Michelin star restaurants, there is no five or six weeks yeah, of vacation. Yeah, yeah. So it's completely yeah. the same. And you work you know? lunch and dinner. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And you, you're, you start really at the lowest rung. Completely. And yeah. it didn't matter that I had been chef de cuisine where I had worked before and that I'd been in the field for a long time. It didn't matter. And plus, it was a di- complete disadvantage that, uh, that I uh, was a female, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I remember the, one of the... <laughs> well, my you fr- can't change... Well, you can't. Well, you can't Actually, change Actually, Denmark that. was yes. very in the forefront of, <laughs> yeah. of that. <laughs> right? And I remember the, one of my first jobs was to take a cucumber, peel it, cut it down the middle, scoop it out with a spoon. So it kind of has like almost like a canoe shape, that half. Mm-hmm. And then I had to take you know, maybe two-inch pieces of it and tourney them like, so they look like a football. Right. And I had worked very hard and trying tor- to get... Tournay is like making them oval with like a paring knife that has a curve in it. Yeah, and people. you're doing this with like a U-shaped piece of vegetable yeah. at the time, and it was just not really going smoothly. And then the chef came over and dumped the entire thing in the garbage can and said, start again. Yeah, because it wasn't oval enough or something. Know, or maybe yeah. it was just for him. I don't know. It, I tried my best. Well, people have often said to me they want to come to Paris and do an internship and so forth. And I did meet a, a person once who had come to Paris to work at a bakery. Um, she was like an intern. And she quit like two days later. She goes, well, they wanted me to lift bags of flour. Oh. <laughs> so, well, well, that's kind of the job. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, like, it's like getting a job as a baggage handler. It's how I don't want to lift. It's <laughs> yeah. like you're just lifting bags of yeah. flour a lot. Um, that's funny because I often we often get uh, applicants where they write, can lift 50-pound 50 bag, 50 bags of flour. Uh, I was thinking, okay, I wasn't going to ask if you could or not. I was thinking that was part of the job, yeah. as you say. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's good for your mind. I did drop a bag of cocoa powder once, and oh, it went no. up, and cocoa powder sticks to you, and it was kind of a mess. Um, <laughs> we do have a lot of pastries here we're going to try, and I want to talk to them, but I love talking to you about your, your life because, you know, I've been living in France for 20 years, and yeah. I keep... You know, I come back to the U.S. I'm like, oh, my God, Walgreens, you know, there's 50 kinds of shampoo. Yeah. And this is great. And yeah. I get, you know, discounts and stuff. And, you know, yeah. I can go to Target. And life is very easy in a lot yeah. of ways. So you, when you came back, you wanted, you were living in what a lot of people think is paradise, Scandinavia. Yeah. yeah. And every country has good and bad things. What was a hard thing about living in Denmark? I'd probably say, you know, it sounds completely trite, but it, it was very much the weather. You know, I think mm-hmm. it was really, it's something that took a toll on me, especially in the beginning, the first years when I was there, the long winters and the grayness that just never yeah. seemed to end. But then I was able to turn it around once I observed the way other, well, the way Danes were living their lives. And I kind of embraced that. So that's like a lot of, you know, just trying to make the most of like a cozy rituals. I started winter what do you call it, like polar bear swimming? You know, when you jump in. Yeah. Uh, okay, I, I would never do that. They do that they here, never, though, in San Francisco. I'm the kind of person, like, in the, su- in the summertime, in a swimming pool or at the, you know, at the ocean or something, I'll barely get in, you know. Mm-hmm. That's the person I was it's before. I guess uh, <laughs> it's too warm. But this is something, the plunge is, yeah. makes it completely different. Okay. Yeah. So stuff like, yeah, things, I think the weather, especially there are many gray, very, very windy. It's not even so much the rain, just the grayness that never mm-hmm. really, here in California, I feel like it, it can change, you know, many times throughout the course of a day. Yeah. Well, see, nobody told me that Paris was gray, because I always thought, now, Paris in the spring, and da, da, da. Yeah. And there's this, uh, la grisaille, the gray of Paris, and yeah. like, like January is the worst. That's why I'm in California right now because <laughs> we just spent a couple of months in the gray. And I was like, you know what? I need sun. Yeah. And I, I went to L.A. to visit my family and there was a hurricane. Perfect. Like, this is terrible. 
but I understand. So you decided to move back to the U.S. You have three kids. Yeah. So, but okay. we actually only were. The plan was to only move back for six months. It was kind of like okay. let's take a little let's hiatus. Open a bakery for six months. No, no, uh, no. Pop up. That wasn't even. We didn't even know that was part of it. But then it was six months in, or three months in, actually, of the six months, we told our kids they were on board with it. Six months, great, we're going to go back, we're going to see our friends. Three months into it, we said, we haven't accomplished anything. Like, we love this life. They had gotten into good public mm-hmm. schools. They were thriving. They were actually speaking English now, which is otherwise, they'd only heard me speak to them in English. Or their English right. language, spoken English language, mm-hmm. was not very good. So I was kind of like, well, let's extend it a little bit longer. But is a year enough or two years enough? Like, when is that? Mm-hmm. So we said, let's keep it open-ended. But then we also realized, we got to start working. We, we can't just, like, not work, you know? Okay. It's an expensive city. Yes. So when I lived in San Francisco, I had a lot of friends that had bakeries. And I used to oh. sit, I was once sitting with a bunch of them, and I said, you know, I've always wanted to open a bakery. And they were all like, why don't you run ours for two weeks? Because if you're trying to make money, like, there's an expression like bakers are rolling dough, not rolling in dough. But it's a really hard job. So it's mm. interesting that you chose to do this. Yeah. To, as a, I mean, primarily because you love baking and cooking. Yeah. yeah. But also, it's your job. Well, I mean, I had also this kind of dream scenario before we opened Canteen, and that was that it would be a little corner somewhere, you know, where I had two or three tables where people could just come in. And And now you have a big corner. Yeah, but, you know, at the time, the market was at its height. It was really hard to find spaces that were available where we could pay. And my first dream was to have a place that was going to be daytime because, you know, having Mm -hmm. worked in the industry for a long time, I wanted to do something during the daytime. I feel like a lot of cooks, that can be one of the downsides with working as a cook, is that you're working lots of evenings and yeah. holidays and times when other people yeah. are off. So I thought, we're going to do daytime and we're going to do brunch and lunch and breakfast because I love those times to eat. Okay. And the bakery was actually an afterthought. It was kind of like, well, we're going to do brunch, so let's start baking some stuff because people mm-hmm. want to eat that. And then it just kind of expanded and took over. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's. I always say there's two kinds of bakers. There are bakers who do like fancy French pastries yeah. and so forth. And, you know, mousses and creams and flourishes. And then there are, like, bread baker bakers, people who do earthy things, use cornmeal, grains, buckwheat, rye, as you do. Mm -hmm. And you're in the second category. For sure. And that's very Bay Area um, as well, very San Francisco, I think. People are very tied to the earth, to, you know, the great ingredients Mm -hmm. available here. Mm -hmm. But... Danish baking is known for rye. I love rye. It's got this beautiful sour taste. And yeah. What's yeah. the connection with rye? Well, with the climate as it is in Scandinavia, it's quite cold. And rye is one of those grains that can grow in the cold. Uh, yeah. Okay. So okay. it was kind of what there was. Yeah. Okay. Well, that so we, may- go, we put it in cakes. We have our Danish rye bread, lots of different bread types and so forth. But, you know. Well, before we taste and we discuss this Mm-hmm. beautiful board of pastries. I was just thinking about this on the way here, that every baker has like a little trick, something mm-hmm. they like to use that dials things up in their baking. And is there something for you that, like an ingredient, an extract, a spice, a seasoning, a salt? Mm-hmm. Is there something that is a running theme that you like to use? Yeah, there is. <laughs> There are a few of those, but the one that comes to mind right away is cardamom. 
And cardamom is something that, you know, you can find in many different cultures, many different cuisines. But the cardamom that I, I feel like it's been an eye opener working with it because the cardamom I knew prior to opening or getting into baking was the pre-ground thing you buy right. yeah, at, yeah. at the supermarket, right? So it's bleached and then it's pre-ground and who knows when it's been ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, is the pods, which it can be a little cumbersome to it's break those up. And it's yeah. a lot of work to try and, yeah. you know, a get teaspoon, those. It takes like 10 minutes to get a teaspoon of seeds. Yeah. Yeah. I've done not, it. Not the, yeah. It, it can be done. But I felt like, you know, we buy now in bulk the small black seeds that are inside of the pods. Mm-hmm. And we grind our cardamom fresh right before we use it. And it is, if you have those two, the bleached and ground, pre-ground, and then the freshly ground, it is a world yeah. of difference. It's a whole different. Yeah. So how do you get them out of the pods? I buy them. Oh, buy them oh, so, out. Yeah, so it's okay. called decorticated. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. It kind of looks like small black peppercorns or black sesame seeds. or. Mm-hmm. It is. is I, apparently, uh, also, cardamom is like the third most expensive spice. Yeah, they're not like cheap. That. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a company called Burlap and Barrel, and they make a cardamom. That. It's not extract, but it's cardamom. Have you used it? No, I haven't. Oh, no. I saw that. I was like, I need a bottle. Oh. It's like cardamom. We've got, had other things from them. So. Yeah, their yeah. stuff is great. Their okay, cardamom's great. great. Um, have I have a bottle, out. but I haven't opened it yet. It's a liquid. Yeah. Yeah. But when I saw that, I was like, that's mm. if it's good, and it probably is. Yeah, they do good things. Yeah, everything yeah. they do is good. Yeah. Burlap and Barrel. Yeah. So we have this amazing board of pastries in front of us. And I put a picture of this in my newsletter, which is at davidlebovitz.substack.com. In case you forgot or you, you joined in the middle, but there are one, two, three, eight different pastries. And why don't you just briefly discuss each one mm-hmm. and then we'll go through and the tasting part, which is yeah. my favorite. Yes, <laughs> okay. no problem there. All right, so we'll start down here at the end. And we have Kolosnitar. This is a. Um, Kolosnitar. Yeah. How was my pronunciation? Beautiful. Okay, Kolosnitar. Yeah. Didn't you have Swedish roots? We think my grandmother might have been okay. Swedish, okay. but we don't know. Yeah, I can it, hear it. Yeah, and that yeah. generation, they all came to America and wanted to be American. So, <laughs> <laughs> so this is like, you can call it a caramel slice, um, okay. but it's essentially love butter cookie that you form shape in logs. And then when it bakes, you slice it when it's still warm, like a chewy chocolate chip cookie. When it comes mm-hmm. out of the oven, it's still soft and pliable. But this one, then we cut that strip into smaller strips, diagonal yeah. on the bias. Now, you have a book coming out called Scandinavian from Scratch. Right. And yeah. I'm very excited. It's coming out in the fall of 2023. Yeah, this year. It's, okay. Right now, we were slated for an October 24th release. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to make a prediction that the price of the book is worth it just for that recipe. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's the best because it's like, you know, it doesn't look like much, but it's mm. so delicious. And it's, you know, when we have okay. these little, little trims so in the back. So it's called? Kolasnitar. Kolasnitar. Yeah. I don't know. There may be some Swedes out there that say, oh my God, she's really hacking it. But that's the way I say that's it. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. And then this? Yeah. Another one from Sweden. So the book is, you know, kind of things that are both quite traditional. So Scandinavia is Norway, Denmark, and Sweden. And Finland? No, that's Nordic. What? No, okay. that's where we're moving. Okay. Yeah, there is okay. some confusion about that. But 
So we have things that represent that you'll see exactly as they are in Scandinavia. And there's some things that we just kind of played and invented ourselves. So, so this one is from Sweden. So that's like a cinnamon knot, would yeah. you call it? Okay. Yeah, it's called a Swedish cinnamon knot. And it's basically like a soft brioche dough. But you could also do it where you have, instead of the cinnamon sugar, you have cardamom sugar in there instead. So then you would have a cardamom knot, okay. which is also delicious and traditional. I'm yeah. changing. Are we going to eat mind. right away? Yeah, I thought we'd eat right away because I can't. <laughs> I'm dying to get your book, and I'm also dying to eat the pastry. So I'll, I'll join let you, you on grab that. which one. Yeah. So your book is available for pre-order. People yes. can go into their favorite bookstore online and pre-order it. Mm-hmm. It's called Scandinavian from Scratch with 75 recipes. Mm-hmm. And you have recipes for bread too. We do. We have a whole bunch of things like mm. crisp bread. Mm. Yeah. Sorry. No. Mm-mm. We have crisp bread and a couple different flatbreads. And then we have our Danish mm. sprouted rye bread. Mm-hmm. And then we have some recipes for open face sandwiches so that people know how they can use their rye bread. Um, Smur bread. Right, exactly. Okay. Beautiful. <laughs> wow. Oh. You've been really doing your homework. No. I know a little about a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good enough for me. <laughs> it's like French. I know these really obscure words. <laughs> Like, basic French, I don't know, but I, I have, like, this vocabulary, you know. Yeah. yeah. So okay. that's such a great cookie. But the cinnamon mm. bun, people often make these with cardamom. So mm-hmm. here it's cinnamon. Yeah, you can really do either one, and I would say... Do you mind that I No, these? go ahead. I'm trying please. to do a good job, mm. but I'm, I can't stand it. They're so beautiful. They are very these good. Really we actually just pastries. had um, a baking class in here yesterday, just... Also to let people know about mm. the book coming out, and then they could try and, and uh, make them themselves. So we use some of the recipe mm. for the knots. Isn't that good? Yeah. It's like if someone took French toast and tied it into a mm. knot yeah. and then baked it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's mm. funny because the, the night before mm. we did the baking class here, mm. a friend of mine told me that he was also going to a baking class here in the Castro. And then I said... Huh. What are you guys going to bake? And he said, we're going to do pie. And then he told me that it was actually a naked baking class. Oh. So that was kind of like, well, I, I could actually ask them, no. That sounds very scandal- Nordic, I guess I should say. Yeah, or maybe Castro. <laughs> yeah, very Castro. Well, this neighborhood we were discussing, there used to be a big Scandinavian community. Right. In the Castro. True. In yeah. San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. But I remember when I went, is Iceland Nordic? No. Yeah, Nordic, Nordic. yeah. Nordic. Okay. Because yeah. I went there and everyone's like, just be aware that you're going to have to take your clothes off when you take a shower before you go into the hot springs. Okay. I'm like, well, don't you usually take your clothes off when you take a shower? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we got yelled at because we were too slow taking our swimsuits off. I was okay. with, it was at a writing seminar. Mm-hmm. And I was with a British writer who's really cool. And I didn't realize he was really famous till later. Um, but <laughs> they, like, screamed at us to take off. I was like, hold on. You'll get to see everything in just a minute. Just like, <laughs> yeah. Give me a minute. <laughs> a big reveal. Yeah, yeah, I just got walked in. <laughs> <laughs> so the cinnamon bun is amazing. Was it a cinnamon mm. roll? What, what's mm. it? Cinnamon knot. Cinnamon knot. Okay. Is there a... It's just the way that you kind of twist it, and then you wrap it around your fingers and pull it through. Yeah. Okay. Is there a Danish name for it? Yeah, but it, because it's Swedish. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this okay. one is, uh, yeah. So there's, like, there's, so in Sweden, you would say, um, canelbula. Canelbula. Yeah. Okay. It's just like a cinnamon bun, bun or, or yeah. 
Sounds like a pillow from Ikea. (laughs) (laughs) So this other thing that we have in front of us, and I I say thing because it could be a muffin, it could be a cruffin. This guy here? Yeah, it's Uh the tallest of the the lot. Mm -hmm. So this is, again, an instance of us kind of playing with... It's, uh, this is not something you would traditionally find in Scandinavia, but it is there. But there are lots of morning buns. It's cardamom morning bun. And so, again, we're incorporating that my favorite spice, cardamom. Ah. And it's laminated, which means that it's almost like puff pastry. So there's lots of layers of butter and, and I dough. Wish, I wonder if people can hear the crunchiness. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. <laughs> I need to go to Denmark. You do. So in France, people eat pastries for breakfast, sort of. Like in Denmark, what do people eat for breakfast? I'm taking the big piece. Okay. I'll okay, take sorry. the little one here. Yeah. I can eat more tomorrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for breakfast, mm-hmm. you would normally have like on a weekday, you might have a little bowl of yogurt, a slice of rye bread, maybe a slice or two, and put some cheese on it. Mm-hmm. But during the weekend, it gets a little festive. Well, you'll go to the bakery in the morning mm-hmm. and pick out some laminated doughs or things that are made from Danish dough, which is like the equivalent of croissant dough. Mm-hmm. Just there's some small variations. So it gets a little bit more indulgent in the weekends. Mm-hmm. That's delicious. And the good thing about it is, too, it's dark baked. Mm. So it's crunchy. Yeah. It's not like, yeah. it's like, mm. And it's baked in a muffin <laughs> pan so that I love all the butter goes to the bottom and it really caramelizes on the bottom. Uh, I don't know if you can see on this one. But I love wow. when it's freshly baked to just pull that off. It's like a cork on the bottom. I didn't see that. Okay. It's so good. That's my favorite part. They used to sell like muffin tops. Yeah. This could be like sugar roll <laughs> bottom. You could sell yeah. those. Well, I think I need to turn this into a TV show so people can see <laughs> yeah. everything. But anybody there wants to do a TV show about right. me and Nicole, we'll <laughs> sit around and talk about Swedish and Nor- Norwegian and Finnish and Nordic. No, Finnish, and- Danish. No, Dana, I'm getting to Danish. <laughs> yes. So moving around, this yeah. this pastry looks very international and I yeah. say European. I should say it's what is it? So it's a it's a goat cheese Danish with mushrooms. Okay, um, and it's we normally have on the menu a savory and a sweet Danish. A lot of people don't want to do sweets in the morning; mm-hmm. they like prefer something salt. Salty. So should we have started? Should we start all over again? <laughs> yeah, we might have to go through them okay, again because there's also yeah. a pastry with. Yeah. Looks like a little sausage. Hot dog, yeah. It's a hot dog, but yeah. it's a sausage. Yes. Is it a hot dog? Well, it is a hot dog. It's mini. I mean, well, no, it's half. We get okay. these long ones that could look very similar to the ones that you have in Denmark, and then we wrap it in dough. Um, but we cut the hot dogs in half first. Okay. Oh, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. So which one should we try? Let's go for that one. Okay. Yeah. So this is like a hot dog. Oh, it is. It's like a pig in a blanket. Do they um, ever eat these with mustard? Okay. Yeah. With mustard, and there's actually ketchup and mustard underneath in between the dough. Oh, I We've see already that. put it in there for you. So we put grainy mustard. Um, yeah. Mm. So sometimes in Denmark, you'll actually, over at like bonfires and so forth, you'll have a big thick stick that you wrap dough around the outside of it, almost like a pig's tail spiraling around. Mm. And then you'll roast it almost like you do a marshmallow above the bonfire. You do this especially around midsummer and so forth. Then you pull it off, it'll be like this little corkscrew. You put a hot dog into it and then eat okay. it. Yeah. This so, is a little fancier. So little... was it hard for you when you wrote your book, Scandinavian from scratch, to make all these recipes for home cook? How did you make sure mm. that, because people always say, oh, can you, you know, get the recipe for this from mm-hmm. this bakery? I'm like, well, 
they make 10 cakes. It's not that easy. How did you work everything to make like six or eight portions rather than 60 or 80? Well, <laughs> yeah, so I've always been an avid baker. So I did have a lot of these recipes in like home versions. And then mm-hmm. they kind of got scaled up when we opened uh, canteens. So it was okay. actually the other way around. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. The one exception to that would be something I'm with the sorry. laminated. Thank you. The laminated dough, because that is something that typically most home bakers yeah. wouldn't do that at home unless they absolutely were forced to do it. Because mm-hmm. it just requires not so much a skill, but just time. Because you need to roll out the mm. dough and have it refrigerated in between when you're folding it mm-hmm. all, around the butter and so forth. So, But I did think that it was really important to have that in the book, represented mm-hmm. in the book, even though there are, are not a ton of recipes for it, but I just Mm. thought we should give that because if you go into a Danish bakery or Swedish bakery or Norwegian bakery, you're going to see a lot of things that are made with this laminated dough. Well, also you can buy puff pastry, Mm. but the stuff I've bought in my life doesn't taste the same. It's Mm -mm. all butter. There's no chemicals in it, but it doesn't taste Mm -mm. the same. Mm -mm. And I don't know why, but I kind of, Something happens in mass production, I would guess. But I, I really don't, yeah. I, I agree with I you, though. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. But it's okay to use it. And I grew up eating those Pepperidge Farm turnovers. You and um, me both. Yeah, with the apple. Mm-hmm. Like, uh-huh. And you eat that and you burn your mouth. Yes. Because uh-huh. <laughs> you can't wait. It doesn't look high. You're like, ah. Mm-hmm. But they were really good. Mm-hmm. And I think in those days, they used like real, they probably still do use real butter at Pepperidge Farm. Yeah. I went to Pepperidge Farm. Where is this? It's in Connecticut. And is it really a farm? It was originally a woman's house. And her children, or one of her children, had terrible allergies. So she wanted to make food without chemicals in it and without preservatives and additives. So she went to Europe and saw all these cookies. And she came back with, like, you know, she made long de shot, like uh-huh, the Milano yeah. cookies. And all the cookies have, like, European names, like Lido and stuff. So this is not a commercial for Pepperidge Farm, but <laughs> yeah. that was kind of part of their thing. And she also said she wanted everything to be vertical on the store shelves so people could see it. It looked nicer. And... As opposed to horizontal? Yeah. Okay. But they also told me that goldfish were based on a Swiss cookie or cracker. So oh, really? Of course, I ran home and I was like, Swiss cookie, <laughs> and I couldn't find it. So no. maybe what they were telling me was not. They were just trying to throw I'm me impressed. off the scent. I was impressed, too. Yeah. I was like, Pepper, I'm at Pepperidge Farm. Yeah. <laughs> they gave me a bag of stuffing mix. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just what you needed. <laughs> I don't know what I did with it. Um, so, any, this pastry, this savory pastry, is so good with the goat cheese mm. and the mushrooms. Yeah. And we're kind of working our way. We should have started with savory, but that's okay. This one's savory as well. Okay. There are two. Well, this one looks savory, too. These two, this is brother, sister, the same This one is sweet. Okay, so the savory one has like, it's covered with seeds. Mm -hmm. It's got pumpkin, black sesame, sesame. Poppy. Poppy. And what's it filled with? Nothing. Oh, okay. So it's. So this is the one, it's called a Golbiagus, and we don't translate that one. Golbiagus? Golbiagus. Golbiagus. Yeah, beautiful. So Biagus is the word for seed or for poppy seeds specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Oh, wow. Yeah. So we this need- is the one we slice open and we turn it into a breakfast sandwich. So we would put scrambled eggs and some cheese 
and then eat it as a hot sandwich. So why didn't I eat this one? Okay. I don't know. You didn't so, order it. Okay. Once again, we need a camera here. When are you leaving us. again? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Saturday. <laughs> when I cut this open, mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting it to be so beautiful, and I probably gasped a little. It's this beautiful golden color, and it's like moist. I was expecting it to be like, when you said nothing, I was like, oh, okay, never clear. But then I opened it, I was like, oh, my God. I mean, it kind of needs, like, jam. It's like jam and butter yeah. would be amazing on it. Doesn't yeah, need some it, good but... cold butter would be yeah. delicious on this, for sure. Mm. <gasps> yeah. Mm. It works. You so know, this one was a, this is definitely also, again, cold because it's something you eat by itself in Denmark. And you would maybe put some butter or jam with it. But you would never, you don't find it as a breakfast sandwich. Okay. And so when we first, customers started requesting it, we were like, yeah. What? This is kind of loopy, no, but it works. And then we, we just stuck with it. It's actually amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little speechless. <laughs> it's really good. I'm glad. Oh. <laughs> I'm glad I like pastry. Like, Me too. Yeah, this interview wouldn't be very fun if you didn't. <laughs> well, I took a class on how to be on TV once. Mm. And then we saw this video of this woman who made a, a rhubarb pie. And the first thing the host says to her, she goes, I hate rhubarb. And she was on live TV and she had to make this dessert for four or five minutes. And he kept saying all these derogatory things about the pie and rhubarb. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah, that's why I like doing the podcast. And I love meeting bakers like you mm. because you make the world a better. Well, there's something in there that looks good. Okay. I'm moving <laughs> on to the next pastry. I'm, looking, I'm going back and forth to all these pastries. We have two left now. We have two left. Mm-hmm. So this one is covered with poppy seeds. Yeah. So I And this one is a sweet counterpart to the one we just tasted. And it's filled with a mix of almond paste, sugar, and butter. And poppy seeds, a thick layer on top. Yeah, it's called a tibiochus. So similar name. And it's something... Tibiochus, yeah. How'd you learn Danish? I went to... to um, It was a little hard. I went to a school that is now defunct. Not because of their methods, but it was a, an old kind of military method they taught us where we had to, I went to a mm. language school for a year and a half, five days a week, mm. where mm. we had to learn 15 sentences every day. Like we would get a cue word and then we would have to say all 15 sentences mm-hmm. and you had to do that every day. And so their idea was if you flood your brain with or your mind with these repetitive things, you mm. you subconsciously are building a mm-hmm. vocabulary where you can swap words in and out. It worked very well. And I think mm. that it's crucial, even though in Scandinavia, you will find plenty of people that will speak English to you all day long. Yeah. And, and very good English. Too. Very good English. But it just was for me, you know, sitting at a dinner party, not understanding at all yeah. what's going on, you know, and having to wait until somebody takes a break and said, oh, we're talking about so, you yeah. know, and that kind of like thing. A, a, it's funny because as adults, you never feel like a three-year-old. And when you move to a foreign country, you just sit there and like a... It's so and I'm, true. I'm going to say about me, not you, but you feel like an idiot because you're so sitting true. there and everyone's talking and you're like... Uh. And they don't see it as a problem, but we we Yeah, we they don't know it. that yeah. we're not a part of it and no. we're just sort of there. And yeah. yeah, they have these schools in France where like diplomats go in the south of France to learn French. Uh-huh. And I kind of always wanted to go, but yeah. Roman, my partner, is like, no, because you'll learn French with, like, a southern accent. Oh, so, and you like, don't want that? <laughs> no. Well, it's like, you, instead of saying, like, vin, 
Yeah. In French for wine, they say vin. Oh, it's that different. Vigna. No, it's du vin. Du vin. Like the corner, like instead of saying coin, it's coin. Oh, okay. Um, and my accent, my southern accent's not very good, but we speak to each other in that accent sometimes. Okay, funny. <laughs> Just as a, it's like, so do you speak French? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had to take a test in okay. France. Um, to be able to live yes, there? Yes, it's France. Yeah, there's tests and papers, <laughs> yeah. and you got to sign up. Then you have to get there, and you have to get the results, and then you have to put them in this form, and then you have to do everything. Oh, wow. And, yeah. So okay. It's, it's not just, you know, let's live in France. So I had to take a test. Okay. And Was that difficult to learn? And did you know how to speak French no, prior to zero, moving there? Zero. Okay. Wow. So I was just like, I think I'll move to France. I should have done it the right way, but I didn't. That's but the way it is sometimes. My French tests went okay because the first part was a one-on-one where they make up a question mm-hmm. and you have to talk about it. And the woman said, okay. And it's very stern. It's not fun at all. She said, pretend I'm a friend of yours and I'm having trouble with my neighbor. And I looked at her and I was like, I have that discussion every day <laughs> with my friends. Like, and she kind of laughed because when you live in Paris, like everybody has something with the neighbors. Right, right. Uh, so Funny. And then we sort of bonded over that. But, um, so I got like a, the Super. equivalent of B minus, which isn't bad. Good enough. Yeah, it's fine. Mm-hmm. My English is like a B plus. <laughs> so this last cookie kind of freaked me out as well because disclosure, you gave me one when I left last time I was here, and I was like, oh, this is like a jam thumbprint cookie. Mm-hmm. And then I took a bite of it, and it was like two days later because I was like, I don't want that jam. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and it was so good. I think I might have texted you. I said, that cookie, whatever was in it, like, I shouldn't have waited. But what is this one called? This is called a jam cave. Jam uh, cave. It, yeah, cave with a V. And I actually don't know how okay. to pronounce it in the proper Swedish. This is a Swedish cookie again. Mm. I want to say it's something like quota, but uh-huh. I'm not sure. I have to check with my Swedish friends. Well, in French, it would be a cave de confiture. Ah, yeah. So that sounds mm-hmm. kind of, maybe you can call them mm-hmm. confiture caves. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> mm. those cookies are so good. Yeah, there's actually some almond flour in the cookie itself. I, I give a little bit of like that, a nice chewiness and yeah. So one thing interesting, and I don't want to go off too much on this tangent, but people always say, can I use less sugar? Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no. Because, you know, sugar makes things moist and makes things taste good. And you come up with your recipes with the right amount of sugar that you like. And then someone's like, can I use less? They're like, no, because this is how I like it. Mm-hmm. However, I do have to say, like, everything here is like, it's the way I like it. There's just enough sugar in it to make it moist and good. But it's not like overwhelmingly sweet or overwhelmingly right. buttery, too. Because I like butter and I like sugar, but... I agree. Yeah. So everything's yeah. just perfect. Yeah. I'm leaving my resume with you. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. You're hired. If I, well, I'm not that easy to get. <laughs> Wait, I'm 64. I can retire. I'm <laughs> what is the retirement yeah. age in Denmark? About it's about the same, okay. 65 or so. There are some people that continue working until they're 68, but okay. yeah. Well, right now there's demonstrations in France of people who are maybe mm, saying that because I've they heard. wanted to raise the, they are raising the retirement age to 64 from 62. And people are upset, not just because this is a whole other podcast, but people were upset, not just because of the raising of the retirement age, because it was kind of forced through without yeah. votes. Ah, but people also sticky. comparing it to other countries in Europe. 
So it's interesting. Like Spain, I think, is 65. Yeah. You can also go earlier, but it, then you start going into your pension at a reduced, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You, and, I think it's from 60. And there's, I'm not. there's a candidate for president in America who proposed raising their age to 70 in America. Oh, boy. Like, that's kind of a tough thing to propose as part of your campaign platform. Yeah. Like, who is for that? You know? Really? <laughs> I hope I'm retired by 70. Oh, <laughs> well, I was on my uh, my flight here. I talked to the flight attendant because she said, "Well, I couldn't do this job when I if I was sixty four, mm. and she was you know relatively young. I, I don't want to even guess her age, but she goes, "I love my job." She was super happy, Air France, and I said, "Well, I'm sixty four and she looked at me. She goes, "You are," and I said, "And I'm not retired." She goes, "Yeah, but that's your choice." So she was right. Um, True. Yeah. I have a feeling she was, wasn't supposed to really talk too much about, you know, po- they probably, True. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like mm-hmm. not a good thing to discuss with somebody, mm-hmm. you know, when, when you're trapped heated, in the air heated, with them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so going off on a tangent. So let's get back to Scandinavian baking. So are all these recipes in your book Scandinavian from scratch? Or most of yes, them? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. So we have all kinds of, you know, we have both cookies and we have cakes that are not even rep- represented here. Cookies, cakes. Cookies are just also both everyday cookies and holiday cookies. And then we have danishes for like, you know, individual size mm-hmm. things. Like these would be classified as those. Then we have the open face sandwiches that I mentioned earlier and... Smurbrod. Yeah. I- I actually used to live in a community where there were a lot of Norwegians. It rubbed off on you. Yeah. So, yeah. But there's a lot more there. And that it was in upstate New York. It was very interesting. <laughs> um, my friend's father, he was a professor at Cornell University in the food production. And they were doing these tests to decide if what cows ate affected how the milk tasted. So they fed all these cows onions and so forth. And sure enough, they found the milk tasted a little oniony. Amazing. So after he died, his coworkers told my friend, who was their daughter, oh, we just put some onion juice in the milk because he wanted to find it so bad. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that story. (laughs) So so who knows? Um, But I do know that whatever you're putting in your pastries here are amazing. And I'm so glad I discovered this bakery because San Francisco has become like a baking mecca. It sure is. Yeah. And, and you're part of it. Oh, thank you. The motorcycle. We got, yeah, we're on we're, Market Street. We're right yeah. in there. That's good. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, it's not rocket science what we do, but we do what we do. We try and do, as the book's title alludes to, we try and make everything from scratch. So we're just trying, like, know what we're putting into the pastries and we make the food that we think tastes best. So. Yeah, well, when I was here the other morning, we had a wonderful breakfast. We had open-faced sandwiches, mm-hmm. and everybody around us was having a really good time. And it's a great place. It really thank is. It's, it's exactly the kind of bakery I want to go to in the morning. Oh, and I'm not a morning you. person, so <laughs> bravo. All right. Glad you got out of bed. So, Nicole Esatola, mm-hmm. I had to write down the pronunciation of your name. Um, Perfect. You've got a book coming out called Scandinavian from Scratch. Yeah. And people can pre-order it right now from your local independent bookseller or online, your favorite online bookseller. Mm-hmm. Um, pre-orders are wonderful because it's yeah. great for an author. So when your book comes out, a lot of people have already got it in their hands and they're already happy before it even hits the shelves. I'm usually. so excited. Yeah. You are? Yeah. Oh, I cannot great. wait. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah. That's I good. can't wait to see photos and sh- hear stories about when people... 
are able to test the recipes and mm-hmm. yeah, just see. They'll call like, you. Well, we can leave my phone number in the show notes. (laughs) No, people can leave comments and and you're welcome to chime in, but everything is wonderful. And it's really a pleasure being here at your bakery canteen in San Francisco. And you're here on Market Street. What is the street number? It's 1906. So 1906 Mm -hmm. Market Street. Pretty much between Hayes Valley. Yeah, uh, Cross Street is Laguna. And it's pretty much between Hayes Valley and the Castro. It's just after the eighth way. Right, exactly. We call it Afeway because the S was dark for like a long time. Yeah. Is it still, do they ever fix that? They did fix it, but it's not that long ago. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So you're right down the street from the Afeway, your canteen, (laughs) and you're open every day except Monday. Except Mondays, yeah. And it's a wonderful bakery. And if you come in, say hello to Nicole and pick up a loaf of sprouted rye bread because that's wonderful too here. It's truly special. Yeah. Thank you so much. And do you have a website? Well, I mean, we have the restaurant has a website called canteensf.com. So it's K-A-N-T-I-N-E-S-F.com. Okay, yeah. super. And I'll put that in the, on my newsletter, uh, in my, on or in? I'm losing my English. Uh, in, <laughs> I think. It's in my newsletter. I know newsletter. the feeling. It's on the page, but it's in the newsletter. Right, right. <laughs> it's funny, too, when you move abroad. Oh, like, yeah, those prepositions are so, well, yeah. Okay, I, I, was, I was telling my partner, I said, I have never been to a dinner party in America where people discuss grammar. And like every dinner party That's in so France, funny. people discuss grammar or verb conjugations. Or yeah, Do they yeah, do that yeah, in Denmark? Yeah. We speak a lot about oh, language, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny about those prepositions, like on or in. Like I just, yeah. you're like, I can't really hear the difference anymore. Well, yeah. in French you say in the street, because uh-huh. the street isn't the road, it's the whole thing. Uh-huh. So you say dans la rue. Right. It's, and it's like, well, what if it's on the sidewalk? Oh, that's like sur le trois trois. Uh-huh. But it's, yeah, the prepositions Funny. are killer. Um, yeah. But, yeah. but you have mastered baking. You've mastered you. Danish baking and Scandinavian baking that's tinged with a little bit of Nordic baking. Yeah. Okay. How's that? <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> I can write the book, the liner notes for your book. Yeah. Thank you so much, Nicole, for Thank hosting so me much, today David. here in it your bakery. It was such a pleasure. I love being here. I don't want to leave, but... There's all these wonderful pastries that we need to finish. That's right. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. If you want to check me out and follow me, you can go to my newsletter, which is davidlebovitz.substack.com. And you can become a free subscriber and get most of the posts, get most of the recipes, get some stories. And you can become a paid subscriber and get everything, get recipes and personal stories and more. So you can go either way. I love free stuff and I love paying for things. So you decide. And I also have a website, davidlebovitz.com, where you'll find lots of recipes and so forth. But my newsletter is where it's at right now. Thank you again, Nicole, for hosting me here at Canteen in San Francisco. And it's been a pleasure. And I can't wait to see your book, Scandinavian from Scratch, with 75 plus recipes mm-hmm. for making all these beautiful pastries. Thank you so much, David. What a pleasure. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.